Hello people, welcome back to the show. This episode is about relationships. A testament to anyone's success in life is a testament to the quality of their relationships. Figs O'Sullivan is an amazing man that has a wonderful understanding of methods that are proven, tried and tested to be the most beneficial things how to navigate conflict in your relationships, how to navigate trust or empathy issues. Are you tired of having the same fight? Are you tired of fighting to be seen, to be heard, to be validated? All these things that we that we try and fix in our relationships but keep arriving back to the same point. Is that you? This is going to provide some value. I know it has done for me. It's allowed me to reassess some things. It's allowed me to step into a different space in learning about these issues, these topics. Did you know that couples that try and fix each other grow in resentment and shame? Couples that problem solve in the short term experience repeat issues. And couples that develop surface level skills like communication feel helpless against persistent problems. There's a beautiful moment in this where Fig says, your competency is keeping you out of intimacy. And I love that because the more competent we get or we think we are at communicating our needs, what's true for us, as Figs illuminates, it can actually work against us. So I invite you to listen to this with curiosity, empathy in your heart. We dive into such things as what contributes to a lack of empathy, why it's not healthy for one person to take all the responsibility for a trigger, for example, why it is important to connect, agree, focus on the sadness that we are not where we want to be. And with Fig's invitation to bring us into the reality of all things and agree on it, is really the fundamental thing we should all be learning in our relationships. He is the owner founder of empathywithaneye.com. I invite you to take the quiz. It's free to understand this stuff a little bit more. He has an amazing course called The Conflict Solution, which if you email me on connect at thechrisgeiser.com, I will send you a discount code. You can find all the links in the description. And I now believe that this conversation can really help you. It can really help you get to the bottom of what is keeping you stuck in relationships. And for someone that isn't in a relationship, it can definitely help provide a framework for understanding life a little bit better. Now, I want to tell you about the events I've got coming up this year. I've got free in-person, live, immersive events, two at 42 Acres, which is a retreat centre in Somerset, and one in Sussex, south of London. And as you might have come across, maybe from this podcast or just being out there and curious, there's a problem for men in today's society. We lack spaces where we can connect, share and grow together without judgment, without shame and feel understood and supported by other men. We definitely lack these spaces. And if you're anything like I was a few years ago, you're busier, more distractive and overwhelmed than ever. You're surrounded by people, but still feel a little disconnected. This is definitely where I've been. And I created this space 
called Men of Earth as an antidote to these things. The depths we go in this space, in such a short space of time, is phenomenal and always surprises me. The wisdom that comes through the environment is just so powerful. I've created this space so we can gain clarity on what prevents us from being present, to forge relationships with other men that care about you winning as you do, to transition through big things that you need support with and they're not going to happen in isolation. Men of Earth is a space where we can get honest, we can gather together to speak to our challenges, to understand how our past has shaped us, to unpack what it is that holds us back from fully being present, fulfilled and connected, to get clearer on your direction and purpose as a man. If you want to find out more, if this resonates at all, or you know a man that could do with a space like this, a powerful, immersive experience around the fire to face the shadow, then head over to menofearth.co.uk. Links in the description. I've got free events this year. Let's jump on a call. Apply via the links and hope to see you around the fire. Now, before we get to the podcast, over to the sponsors. Are you a coffee drinker? I am. I love it. It's one of the best things of my day. I love looking forward to sitting down with that warm brew and I often use it to dive into some work or facilitate focus or connection with someone I share it with. So surely I should be prioritizing the best kind of coffee. And since I transitioned to Exhale, a lot has changed. All coffee, as we know, is not created equal. It's in fact one of the most sprayed crops in the world and has been renowned to be full of mycotoxins, But as I said, I think we all know that, right? My good friend Alex in 2020 set out to make the world's healthiest coffee without compromising on taste and sustainability. He dived into all the science and actually found that it is such an amazing superfood. They prioritise farming, sourcing, roasting. It's organic, it's speciality grade, freshly roasted and ground, lab tested over nine times and tested for and free from moulds, yeast, heavy metals, packed full of antioxidants and polyphenols, which have been linked to reduce inflammation, heart disease, and boost brain function. If that's not enough to convince you to try Exhale, let me just add, they are B Corp and members of the Soil Association. They have an impressive blog, weekly newsletter that they pack loads of useful health-related tips into. Go check them out. Link is in the description. What are you waiting for? Go, go, go. Use code CGP or click the link in the description for £10 off your first bag on a full flexible subscription. You can cancel any time if you don't notice the difference. 450 bags of coffee, 30 cups for just £8. Beautiful. So the further we get away from nature and what's natural, the more disease, illness that occurs. I'm sure you'd agree this is no different when thinking about your feet, which we often don't think about what are we putting our feet into they are the only thing that's connected to the ground at all times they affect balance posture strength mobility all of the above now preventing your risk of injury might be exposing your feet to varieties of different ground different surfaces now we do this in the gym we stress our bodies to adapt it's the same process when you think about your feet and if you care about your health you'll definitely try some wild soul sandals. Yes, more friends of the podcast. Tom and James started this company last year. They have handcrafted some of the world's finest sandals, UK produced from animal-friendly materials and shipped in recycled and plastic-free packaging. Now, I could talk about the benefits of footwear all day, 
these are close to as being barefoot as possible. I don't know anything else I would put on my feet that I would wear to so many different occasions. Wear them in the warmth, in the cold, and it allows your feet to breathe. Like they are the closest thing you can get to bare feet. Now, of course, you might have heard of Vivo barefoot, but they're nowhere near being barefoot. These are wild soul sandals and they are the closest thing you can get to being barefoot when you're not barefoot wear wild soul sandals. They have a zero drop sole that is thin and flexible to allow your feet to truly feel the ground beneath you like millions of years of evolution wants you to. For form and function, you can actually select the size of the thickness of the sandal on the website. And the biggest functional difference between these and a standard pair of flip-flops, not that they should even be compared, but the adjustable straps hold your feet secure so your toes don't have to constantly grip part of the sole. The wide toe box and lack of constraint allows your feet to expand as much as they need to when you put weight on them. I know Tom hasn't taken his off for the last two years. He's never worn anything else. Use code CDP. 10 at checkout for 10% off all the links in the description go get yourself a pair it will change your life what contributes to a lack of empathy what do you find what contributes to a lack of empathy? Um, it's a good question. That's mm. a very good question. Um, I think, well, firstly, we probably want to define what empathy is, right? Is that you're feeling what someone else is feeling, right? You're, you're, you notice someone else is having an experience and you have the experience with them. Right. So I, I think a lot of times this is this is really important. A lot of times people would say someone has no empathy, but that's not true. Mm. Right. Because they are actually the oftentimes the people that look like they have the least amount of empathy have the most. It's not that they're not having they're not. It's not that they're not affected as a double negative member. It's early in the morning for me. It might take a while to warm up, but. <laughs> Right. It's not that they're uh, they're not feeling what the other person is feeling. It's actually they are feeling what the other person fe is feeling. And it brings them to such an uncomfortable experience inside themselves that they have to shut out the other person's experience by shutting down, withdrawing, getting angry at them. Mm -hmm. So this is the funny thing. If like empathy in and of itself is a neutral experience it just means like i see another human being having an experience and it affects me because i can relate on some way to what they're feeling but for, and some of us when we have that neutral empathic experience remember it doesn't make us do anything it's just like mm -hmm. we actually feel with the other person right and then there's conceptual empathy and then there's literally biological empathy where you actually you know you see a kid jump off a high jump and your knees hurt right mm -hmm. some of us actually mm -hmm. feel it in our bones and our you know like oh it's like we did the jump ourselves right mm, um but but so this is a really important um misunderstanding a lot of times let's say men are seen often as have lacking empathy but I i've come to realize that's not the case 
they actually men have an extremely high level of empathy in general making generalizations but it is so so uncomfortable for them to feel yeah. the pain of those they love and care for that they can't be compassionate mm -hmm. they are having the empathic experience but what they can't do is have the compassion because they're so dysregulated by feeling the pain of another they're going to shout at the other person or ignore the other person because that's what they have to do to 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 survive the pain they're feeling when they see someone else is in pain. Does that does that make sense? Yeah. Does this, in your experience, mean largely subconscious? Like a lot of that. Oh yeah, is happening. Yeah. Oh yeah, all subconscious. You you know, here's a story. Um, here's a how I how this kind of clarified for me is I was walking, I lived in San Francisco, I live in Hawaii now, right? Um, I was walking down the street in San Francisco and, you know, urban street. And I see this little kid, he's like, like six, seven years old. And he's um, skipping down the street. Mom is behind him. And then it turns out I couldn't see at first. Dad is maybe another 10 yards behind mom. The kid anyway falls on the concrete, right? Like he's he's really going for it with the skipping. And he falls and he and he to be honest, like he did whack his knee pretty hard on the concrete. Right. Because he he was trying out some new skipping moves, right? And so he gave himself a good whack. He's bawling his eyes out on the ground. The dad comes up. The mom is like trying to, are you okay? Oh, sweet babe. You know, mom's being very compassionate, empathic, and then leads to her being compassionate. The dad walks up and goes, get up. Right. And I, so look, I'm really, you know, I now carry that dad with me all day. Right. Like I go away. I'm like, look, it's like, I'm not getting involved in a family. I'm not going to start doing like interventions on the street uninvited right <laughs> but but so i i'm carrying this dad with me all day right i'm like what a dick what a dickhead right that's what i'm thinking all day and so i need to resolve this so that i'm not suffering and so i, I you know i do the deep dive so look wh what's going on for that dad what's really going on well here's the thing the dad saw his son fall saw his son is in pain. He actually really felt the distress of seeing his son in pain and feeling emotions that he's not okay feeling inside himself. So he actually had an empathic experience. Yeah. But it's what happened next where it gets broken because it's not okay for him himself to feel vulnerable and hurt and sad and express it. He then, you know, it's a, uh, he blames the son for getting him in all unconsciously, right? Yeah, he yeah. blames the son for getting himself, the dad. The dad just got in touch with feelings he's not okay feeling. And so he's angry at the son be because the your other people's job in the world is to make sure I don't feel feelings I'm not happy feeling. So if someone falls mm. and is hurt, right? Again, so really important. It's not that the dad didn't feel empathy. He did a lot, too much for him, too mm. much empathy. And it put him in an impossible place that he had to get away from those feelings. Mm -hmm. so, so would this anyway, so that, that's where oh go on. Would Sorry. this be the same if he was void or what would seem to be void of feeling and just pay no attention to it? Would that 
be the same? Well, look, yeah, but that's what I would say. But look, of course, are there some people that are literally incapable of feeling empathy and they they really just miss it physiologically, right? Of course, right? But it, I don't think that's true for most people. Mm, let let yeah. me just, you know, you're saying, like, let's say he would look just devoid. Well, just think about it. Being being devoid of being affected is a very intelligent way to make sure you don't feel feelings you don't want to feel. Yeah, like so. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it, like it, it. They're just flavors of ice cream. Shouting at your son, "Get up!" is is chocolate. Being devoid of being affected is just vanilla. But they're both ways to keep yourself out of being affected and feeling really vulnerable feelings in the world. So lack of empathy. Again, is there are there people that are but it's such a small percentage that are truly physiologically incapable and mentally incapable of they're not capable of having conceptual empathy or physiological empathy. Uh, sure, but it's a it's a uh, again, one of my pet peeves is people are diagnosing each other as there's something wrong with them all the time, right? So it's just let's just assume yeah. that's not the case, because it probably isn't the case. Excuse me. Yeah, it's it's not this audience, don't but, worry. Yeah, good, good. So good, good. That's good. So so yeah, most like when you look at someone and they they look unaffected, right, or vo devoid of um, being impacted by what's going on around them. That's just an organism's survival strategy. And they probably had to deploy it very early in life. Hmm. And now they just don't, they actually think that's who they are. But I, I, for most people, that is a secondary creation. And then a little work on, you know, being curious about yourself, exploring, slowing down, being with what is, not what you're supposed to do. Like, you know, we can undo a lot of that stuff, mm -hmm. you know. So as the partner, yeah. as the mother of the child who's married to this man yeah. then what would yeah, her yeah. um what would her invitation be to start to knock at the door and uh to, to bring out more of a um a functional empathetic man well well that's good so it's a good segue into so what do we do about conflict right so the, mm -hmm. the most important thing is we have to be with what is and not try and change it so if you notice your question is what can we do to change him right and so sure. it's a little bit of a oxymoron right? can you read this book about empathy i, I need you to read it <laughs> exactly yeah and you know so it's a really tricky to work on you know it's very tricky like how do we work on having you be more empathic without like making it clear that we're telling you there's something wrong with the way you are now and you have to become a different person because you know that's just threatening it's not going to work right so so look here's what i do right we have to just we have to just describe and then live inside of what is very clearly so again imagine that that couple came to see me and they told me the story, right? I would try and get them to here. Here's what I'm imagining. But of course, I'd pull it from them like it's happening, right? Like, you know, son falls. Mom really cares. Dad gets angry at son. Mom is now now there's an, a, a relational distress between mom and dad, right? Mom feels really upset and hurt because the son is a proxy for herself. Right. You're like your kids are satellites, you know, they're like satellite states. Right. 
And so when I see my son being yelled at and there's no compassion for my son, no empathy, it touches the like I'm actually quite sensitive inside myself. So now I'm really distressed because I'm in my uncared forness, my lack of compassion from you. It really like through the proxy of the son. So it really hurts the mom. She's probably looking disapprovingly at the dad. The dad gets the message. Me being me is a disappointment and not OK mm -hmm. again. It's not like a choice I made. So he actually feels shit inside. Mm -hmm. Now, what's he going to do? Withdraw, get angrier, or defend himself? And so the mom feels even more. There's app is so hopeless. Yeah, I'm never, nor are my satellites, my proxies, my children ever going to get the love they need. So she's going to give an even louder sigh and shake it ahead of disapproval. He's going to feel even worse about himself and like, what's the point? No matter what I do, I'm always, always the bad guy. And those two people and the son, right, walk home heartbroken. Oh, mm -hmm. everyone walks home heartbroken. Now, my job, if you, I don't even notice the story I just told. You and you, listener, you might have a particular person your heart breaks for, but my heart breaks for all three of them. Yeah. Right. And that's what the first thing we need to do is not try and change anything, but have this story yeah. be transformed into a story that they watch from the audience, just like I'm describing the story and we're listening, we're seeing it from yeah. the audience. And our heart breaks for everybody in the scene. Yeah. Can everyone right? agree that everyone's equally sad <laughs> everybody's sad right and you know the way i often put it is you know like little kids um uh, bubbles you know you you put it in the soapy water and you blow yeah. bubbles right and you know the way uh, oh, most of the time they're separate bubbles but every now and again two separate bubbles come together and they join together and form one bigger bubble so yeah. what i'm trying to do at first is not trying to change anything it's just like look this is what happened and see if we can go from the three separate suffering bubbles. Let's just keep it simple, just between the couple. Two separate suffering bubbles, right? Mom's in a suffering bubble. And if she's in her first-person perspective and is so sad, dad's in a suffering bubble. And it's so painful and he's powerless. And I'm like, what he does is not enough, right? And then what I'm trying to do is join those two suffering bubbles together so that they're one shared big suffering bubble. Look at the pain and disconnection we are in together. This is so sad for both of us, right? That's the first place we need to live in, right? We go from a subjective experience to a systemic experience of what's happening between us. Mm -hmm. So, okay. by the way, and that's the that's, most important thing. If you want to, if you want to get really good at conflict resolution, that may not sound like a big deal. Yeah, like most people are like, surely there's a way we need to like, you know, learn how to use language better. Not really. The most important thing is you can shift that perspective from your subjective experience to the systemic experience, both of you, and it softens your heart to to all three entities, right? And who are the three entities? Yourself your partner self, and then both of you together, right? And that's it, what I call empathy squared, mm. right? If you're like, so empathy squared is not just one directional empathy, it's yeah. multi-directional empathy. When I first heard that, I thought, it, I thought it was empathy square, where you all meet on this square in the street. And, like, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I kind of like that yeah, visual. Yeah, um, yeah okay. that would be nice. Yeah. So this is, this, is, this is great. We're kind of getting into the, the juicy stuff about, conflicts and relationships and, and really i don't know if you'd agree like that the root of 
all of this, I feel, is we don't really get our needs met as, as children. And then we go through life with these unhealthy ways of living, relating, and it's just kind of compounding. Um, yeah. But I would I'd like to go next with, okay, so say someone, you're in the arena. Do you, Are you trying to detach away from anyone disagreeing with the mechanics of what happened there? Oh, you did this. Because often there's a lot of you statements and there's a lot of like pointing the finger and they're just disagreeing on the reality of what happened. Do you try and really remove everyone away from like the kind of nuts and bolts of what happened in that circumstance and move them towards just agreeing that your needs aren't getting met in this relationship. Let's try and build some sort of agreeable framework yeah. to, to work through. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. Well, look, there's actually a lot in that question. Um, I'm trying to think what's the best order, but so let me say the first thing is one of the things that people don't even realize you don't even realize that you've been infected with ideas from the personal development movement over the last 50, 60 years, right? Mm. That are really unhelpful, right? Like, yeah. but we all have been in it. We've all been doing it, right? And it's it's per one of the things that's permeated into the entire culture is this obsession with needs. Okay. My needs are not being now, by the way, you're right. It stems from childhood where our needs aren't being met. Mm. But if you want to have a better relationship, we got to stop working out what my needs are and what my needs are that need to be met and asking people to meet my needs mm. because it just doesn't work. I mean, I, I, I would imagine if you're listening to this, you have enough data to know it's not it's not working very well. <laughs> and, you know, you've done your 10 years of nonviolent communication and like you've become even more skillful in working out what I need, saying it's self-responsibility, expecting the other person to respond self-responsibility self-responsibly mm. look it's a bit of a disaster to be honest right so here's the most important thing stop focusing on working out what your needs are and ask them for the freedom to be met start focusing on what is what am i feeling and sharing your feelings without a request mm -hmm. without a request the meeting of a need is is again, it's just like if you're really empathic, the natural thing, if we didn't have a block system, is to offer the compassion, right? If you see someone outside a restaurant and they're starving, like a homeless person, they're starving, you feel empathy for them. What happens next is you give them your leftovers. It's not like you just, you, it's, it's not difficult, right? Like it just mm -hmm. happens organically, right? It's a, it's just an improvisational thing that happens, right? Um, yeah. But so so in, in general, I think it's really important that people work out what am I feeling right now? And then I share my feelings with no request on the back end. When we get to the safe, I like now your thing, when we get to the empathy square, where we're literally both truly in our pain, feeling unmet by each other, and we both see the way we react that makes things worse. So we're now both, and we're, so we're living in this like, oh my God, I feel so sad for both of us. And this has only happened because we love each other. Now, and only now ask for your needs to be met. Because now, right, you, the other person isn't guarded and defended, and they're not just in strategy, and you're not guarded and defended. Um, and living in strategy, right? So I always say there's two good places to ask for your needs to be met. One is, let's say you feel so close to each other, you're on MDMA or like something like that naturally. 
you're running through a field of long grass and there's a gentle breeze and it's, you know, 70 degrees Fahrenheit. You're running naked together through the fields and you look in each other's eyes and you go, you're there for me and I'm enough for you. And you're like, so we're so safe. Ask each other for all your needs to be met. Hmm. The other good place, which unfortunately is more likely the place we have to be able to work on getting to, right, is I am hurting so much. I'm feeling so unmet and everything wants everything inside me wants to rise up and ask for my needs, protest my needs not being met from the defensive place, the reactive place. The other person's the same. I'm I'm in the impossible place. I can't find my way back to you. I'm disconnected and I want to rise up and protest not being met. But we both are in the empathy square and yeah. we stay down and we're able to reach out from the agony and the pain. W will you please love me? I'm not even sure I deserve it because I'm hurting so much. I'm worried I'm too much for you. Right. So so the others, the second place is when you're in you're in pure self story of the pain I'm in. And it's and this is my pain. And you reach out from that well of unbearable aloneness or that well of unbearable not enoughness or too muchness. Um ask from down there. Mm -hmm. and yeah. So. so the picture you described around just being in love with each other and just, just fully you're there for me i'm there for you sounds like the big be the beginnings of a relationship what we experience we think they couldn't possibly exactly. do anything wrong because we yeah. haven't built up res any <clears throat> resentment any story around what they're doing and what they're doing wrong in our eyes so it feels like that's what stops that from from just you just being in that place and just understanding the whole context for because everything makes sense in context like the story is like if you if you go back hard enough you'll understand yeah. why they're, why they're being this way and it's like getting to zero i think as um what's his name jason gladys puts it it's like how can mm. we get back to that place where we have just compassion for the other person yes they're causing right you, they're causing you pain but it's like it's rooted in like they're trying too hard or they they're, they're not trying hard enough or whatever it might be whatever story is there so I think right. the question is, how, how do we, if, if we really are, it's communicating what feels not fair. You know, you, someone doesn't see you. How to, how to then mm. communicate from. Well, yeah, but but so here's the thing. There's a whole bunch of things that have to be in place before we get to even communicating not fair. So so let me just, you know, you're saying like, so you get together, you meet someone. I always make this very flippant, right? You meet someone in a nightclub in Ibiza. They're like the best raver you've ever seen. You're like, wow, they can shake a glow stick better than anyone. They look at you and you're like, you know, you're dancing like those uh the the boys and the in-betweeners she they're like wow this fella's amazing right or you know if it's boy boy girl girl doesn't matter right and so you get together because you're like we're totally right for each other and you're meeting each other's needs i'm there for you like i finally got the one that'll be there for me and you know they're feeling like oh, i'm finally enough for someone and you go along your little honeymoon you know one month, six months, 18 months, right? 
But then eventually all the attachment, right, emotional bonding, you you actually become truly, deeply, biologically attached to each other. And what does that mean? It means that now your bodies are really, really clear. Your organisms are really clear. You are now the person on this planet that my body says, you're the one that I, I need you to be there for me, for me to be okay. Right. And the other person is, I need you. And of course, both people can have both of these questions. I need to be enough for you, for you to be, for me to be okay. If I, so then they're, you're driving down the road one day on your way to your next rave, right? And one of you says, oh, my God, I just remembered this story of my first ever rave when I was 16. And the other person's looking at the window having a daydream. And the person telling the story is like, were you not were you not listening? Right. And what they're really saying is, wait, this is really scary. You said you'd always be there for me. And I thought you were the one I could trust to always be there for me. I, were you not here right now? So it's not just that you're having a daydream. They just touch existential terror that my person, that I'm not okay in the world if they're not here. I just experienced they're not here. And it gets multiplied by all my past experiences of experiencing not hereness by my person. Mm -hmm. And so now they're in terror and they're protesting. Were you not listening to me? Which, of course, now, right, now the, now the game is really on. The person that went for a daydream, they just touched all of the, they just touched all of their terror. Of, Am I not enough again? Wait, wait, I thought I thought we danced together and you, you love my my dad. Wait, I, I'm not enough now. Mm -hmm. And so they defend themselves. Hey, listen, I was just having a daydream. Back off. Whoa. So are you saying like you're not going to be here for me and then you're going to be upset with me when I'm heard about it? <laughs> And so now what comes out there, Matt, they're going to confirm, no, you really are not enough. Mm -hmm. You would betray me like this. You would set me up for 18 month honeymoon telling me I'm enough. And now this, when I look out the window, you're too much. That's the one. <laughs> right. That's right. And then she, and then, you know, she, right. He, she, they, they'll like, look at them and say, you know what? You are definitely not enough. I don't know how you pulled a wall over my eyes. Now, Right. So, so come here. So before we try and change those two people to communicate properly, I'm not even sure I want to ever do that, but we need to have them understand what's happening. Yeah. Right. One of them in that scenario, one of them has a deeper wounding around. Are you there for me? Right. In the attachment language, they'd be more anxiously attached, which is not a negative judgment. It's not a label, a negative label. It's mm -hmm. not pathologizing. They just have a really lovable little wounded one inside that gets scared when it looks like my person's not there for me. That's mm -hmm. a beautiful part of them. It's not a bad part. of them. It's not a part that they should try and get rid of themselves. And it's not a part you should be trying to get rid of your partner. So that's all that happened. You touched that place and of course you reacted. But then of course, because you're so important to your partner, they touched their like, I'm not good enough and I'm in trouble. They touched their <coughs> avoidant attached place and they started defending themselves, withdrawing because they were in terror because now I'm about to be rejected and kicked out of the village by the person I love for my not enoughness. 
that all makes perfect sense. And by the way, the way you reacted and talked to each other makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to try and teach you how to communicate differently. I want you to really see and accept and surrender to that's what happens between two people that love each other. So this mm -hmm. is the funny thing. If we start trying to teach people how to communicate better, we yeah. miss the core. The core teaching is, yeah, this actually all makes perfect sense. Yeah, your coping strategies will just get better. You know, if you exactly. start to You're, like yeah. bring in the language, exactly. Um, exactly. Okay, so so you're working with these people. You've got them to, yeah. you know, you've got them in front of you, but one of them doesn't quite get it. What are the ways in which you can speak differently or invite them into thinking of what's going on? Because yeah, well, yeah. Look, there's multiple ways someone doesn't quite get it, right? Um, because I think that's I what mean, happens look, with, with with couples. Because one kind of okay, I'm gonna take accountability. Like I was, you know, told I was too much when I was younger, and you know, I was just left to it, and like I didn't feel like anyone cared. So this is triggering me. Like this is this is how I feel, and this is why. But then the other person is not taking too that much accountability for their side of reacting in a more yeah. emotional well, way. Yeah, but so, but therein lies that is. So here's the funny thing that the person that thinks they're count, taking accountability is is more of the problem than they realize. Because even if you just think Ooh. what you're saying, right? Because you're just saying like, I'm coming here. I'm good. I've worked out my hurt feelings and I'm coming here and I'm taking responsibility. And the other person isn't. Yeah you're actually telling the other person they're still the bad person you haven't you're not creating a safe space for the other person right because there you you have put yourself not like mm. it, but let's let's be clear it makes sense you're hurting and i feel alone and you won't be there with me so I'm, it's not a, from a judgy place yeah but just from an objective bird's eye perspective this is the weird thing that people don't are really shocked by i'm still shocked by it <laughs> the person that comes into counseling going I've done a lot of work. I know my vulnerability and my wounding, and I'm here to take responsibility, right? They will have a harder time in couples counseling than their their partner or spouse, right? Because the other person, here's the, a, a little analogy I used or a little story to share this. Just imagine I um, the couple lived in an apartment building, right? Big apartment building. One member of the couple lives in the penthouse suite, right? They have done some work on themselves. They know their feelings and their childhood woundings, and they're willing to take responsibility. So they're sitting like they're drinking martinis, and there are other people like them in penthouse suites, and they talk to each other through the I'm the good one in a relationship grapevine. So having right? a pity, they, pity party. Exactly, right? How good I am and how crap my partner is. The, the partner lives in the basement. It's not even a unit for like you can rent out. Because they're the shit one, right? They live in the janitorial quarters, right? <laughs> and then you come and see me. And what I do is I create a well-appointed apartment in the middle of the building mm. where, come here, it's both of you. The way you're the good one makes them feel crap. The way you feel crap, you're not coming out of the basement. Who do you think has an easier journey? Yeah. The person that has to come down from I'm the good one and I'm the one taking responsibility and the other person won't or the person that Jesus, I'm shit. And you're telling me now I'm only half the problem. 
The person in the in the basement is first up the stairs. Whereas on the outside, you would think the person in the basement, oh, they're not. They and they might even think themselves, oh, couples counseling is not for me. Oh no. They'll have a much easier time in couples counseling than than the good one living in their penthouse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's such a visceral example. Yeah. So, mm. so look, so that's the first thing, right? Look, it's both of us. We have to, I always say it is, it's a four door advent calendar. We need to have all four doors. Your two doors where you're both hurting when you feel unmet. Two more doors. You both have ways of reacting that you actually may like the way you're reacting that yeah. are really painful for the other person. Right. Just, yeah, just like a, someone that's moment like, for you to shine essentially and, tell them how much you know about your own emotions exactly exactly and you can't see the actual impact you're having right like someone that, like I, i've done all this work and i'm gonna do it and i'm really trying to be an example of how you could be a better person and look at the way i'll take responsibility i'm waiting for you now like just imagine what it's like to be under receipt imagine like a kid that grew up in a home where that's what it was like that's emotionally invasive. Imagine that's what your mom or your dad was like. I'm an amazingly good person. I really hope you'll be a good person like me one day, son or daughter. Mm. Right? It's like, holy fuck, this is oppressive. What are you going to do? Stay in the bloody basement. Right? It's not safe out there. It's not safe out there. And of course, that's the thing. The other the, people can't like it's really if, if the way you react when you're hurting is you scream at someone, that's really easy to see, even though there are still some people that they love the way no one pulls one over me. And it might, you know, it takes a bit of work to get them to go, you know, I'm not sure if that's the best way to walk through life, like mm -hmm. making sure you don't get hurt by putting people in yeah. arm bars. I'm feeling but there are more sad. subtle ways. I'm feeling quite sad because this is this is most people's realities. Like it really is. Yeah. 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 Um, it's sad. It's, yeah. I mean, it, it's it is a reality. People cope, don't they? Like you have a lot of people coping with these things and they just they end up just pushing it down and suppressing all this, all this stuff because nothing seems to work. Exactly. So they just keep on to get along. Which, by the way, that that's so go back to your question, right? Like, what are all the ways to help someone? So look, obviously, I use a lot of analogy stories. I've got a compulsion, right? <laughs> so to help people see themselves and, and see themselves in a funny way, right? I use a lot of exaggeration, right? You know, like, only the joker can speak the truth to the king, right? Only the jester, right? Anyone else gets their head chopped off? Right. I like I don't know if I would be successful in Ireland. Right. Because in Ireland, Irish people are like, they're just going to say, fuck off. Right. But like Americans still will go, oh, I have a little leprechaun here telling me funny <laughs> stories about myself. Right. So I can help people look, see themselves from a view that there's, you know, and the other thing, you know, as Nietzsche said, there's more truth in the exaggeration. Right. So I, I can reflect mm. people to themselves in a way that they can see um, without having to reject it, right? And then, because so I can do it that way. And then we can do a deep, like I told the story of the mom and dad at the start. Yeah. Like really feel the pain of everybody. Like I feel it. And then I show them me feeling the pain of the son, the mom, the dad, and then they feel it inside themselves. So I'm trying to evoke the experience of feeling sad for everybody, right? Yeah. The other thing that's really, this is a really important one, and it's very hard to teach uh, therapists this, 
been able to see like look if you let's say you're a filmmaker right if you're like to be an amazing filmmaker right like a movie maker story maker like let's say you had two different ways like say somebody um is in a marriage and they they are left and you show the person bawling crying you show the person that was left bawling crying on a bed right that's like that's good, but so direct, right? It's not what people do, right? What, what would be much more powerful, right? The best filmmakers, what they show is they just show, they show a ring being dropped on a table. And then you see the blur of a figure leaving the door. Mm -hmm. And then you see the other person sitting in the back, in the back garden. Yeah. Right. Still in their, their, their pajamas staring out into space yeah it's just right? like a horror, horror movie then, you, you never see the thing but yeah but what it is is you access the pain you access the deepest empathy for someone through the way they're not feeling the pain mm. like you got it like i don't know how does that like you like like a lot of times let's say if someone says like look my i'm never good enough for my partner oh actually the perfect example is this and I actually my own podcast we did an episode on this when khan the oldest son in succession um says i'm a rock i'm a plant that grows on rocks i don't need love right it's just the way life is i don't need it now you don't see him cry. You don't see him break down in his not enoughness, right? What's actually most heartbreaking is the world, the internal world he's developed, that he yeah. lives in a world that I don't need love. So you don't have to get people to feel the sadness. You have to see and hear the world they live in and how deeply tragic it is that they don't feel the sadness. Mm. right so you don't you know what i mean people are always trying to get people they're always trying to get people to feel the feeling they're supposed to be feeling oh you should be heartbroken that you don't get love well like you don't have to get them there you just have to feel the the present one wait you're so used to being not loved that you don't need it like give me a bucket right that's fucking that's gut-wrenching mm. that's how bad it is that you you don't even need love anymore, right? Mm -hmm. That's a whole other level of tragedy than the person that still has access to breaking down, crying, like in a in a you know in the fetal position on the bed, mm -hmm. right? So so yeah, so really important thing is access, like being able to feel yourself what someone is really feeling deep down inside through the way they protect themselves. You don't always have to get them to the core, core pain. Um, and then when when people see you do that, you get them in a way they don't even get themselves through the way they protect themselves. It's just very, it's very powerful for people, right? Because you're, you're doing two things, right? You're empathetic, you're with them, you're truly with them. And they get to see that they don't have to become someone else right now to be good, to be acceptable. Mm-hmm. Right. We just have to be right here. Right. It's um anyway, so tell stories, zoom out, see the whole system. We're not looking for we're not looking for individual responsibility. We're just trying to see, can you see how this is both of us? You got to create a neutral space for both of them. 
then we we do this thing that we call an enactment. So I'll organize someone's experience. So we organize their experiences. Like, look, this is like when you look like when it looks to you, your partner's not taking responsibility. It hurts you in this way. And this is what you do. You give them a book to read. Right. Yeah. And then we organize it. We just reverse engineer it. Right. It's like, you know, when I give you a book to read, I'm actually really hurting because I can't I can't I feel like I'm I, I'm alone and I'm scared. Mm-hmm. And we have the person actually feel that and share it with their partner, right? Yeah. Not to get their partner to react if it is really important, right? In the early stages, we're not trying to have a lovey-dovey experience where the partner goes, oh, sweetie, plum, and love them. We're doing it so that they can both better understand, oh my God, I have a much better idea of why we get stuck right now. I always thought you just weren't showing up or you were just uh, too much, you are just meanie pants. But it turns out you're not meanie pants. You're actually really hurting and scared when it looks like I'm not there. Yeah. We call that a, a dog and recorder moment. It's when the partner starts to go, wait, you're not just a mean person. Mm-hmm. You're actually a sad, scared person. And that's happening because you love me so much. Wait. There's something completely different going on here than I thought. Right. We just want the people to ha- start to have that rewiring uh, new understanding of what's happening between them. Yeah. So the mission, it seems, is to just communicate what's going on in here without any expectation or trying to subconsciously or inadvertently manipulate them in a way. It sounds a bit much, but manipulate them to 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 give you compassion or like to try and get. Oh, them you're, to... you're talking about me, what I'm doing. Yeah. Are you talking about what I'm doing or you're asking what I'm trying to get the clients to do? So just from someone in a relationship. Like the person, someone in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So the person who's in pain rather than subconsciously trying to just get more attention and and, and just blame someone and get them to take accountability. If my mission was for them to get to take accountability and own up to everything. That was what we were saying. You're you're He's, part of the problem. Yeah, you're yeah. part. You're a bigger part of the problem. You're in the penthouse. So exactly, the mission really is to to just communicate how you're feeling from a place of non-judgmental and just for the objective of I need you to yeah. get what's going on no. in here. Well, so no, th- this is really important. I'm glad, like so, no, I, I wouldn't even say that's the mission. That's not the okay. point. That's not the mission, right? That's not, and that's really good. That's why, like we've been so locked in this paradigm. We just it's. It's so hard to to um to get it right. Like it it is also the, because the the, fr- the 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 communication is like I feel and often I witness I hear it I I do it I feel because you and it's not really rooted in me. I'm actually yeah. saying I'm feeling this yeah, but- because of you. Yeah, well, this is just a limitation. We have to use this kind of linear cause and effect to explain what's happening right mm-hmm. but ultimately we have to get to a place that we see everything inside our emotional system is happening everywhere all at once everything everywhere all at once right so but okay so let me let me i'll try and break this down really simply right yes and look this is an experience right but like if you could put it into steps right the first step is both people have to see this is an us problem not a me or you problem Right. And that we are in an infinity loop and imagine an infinity loop and you drew a line through the middle of the infinity loop. 
right? Like um, horizontally, you would have four, four little like um, ovals, right? Uh -huh. Oval number one, partner one is hurting inside when they feel unloved. Mm -hmm. Oval number two, right above it, mm -hmm. right on top of it is partner number one as reactions they protest right some of us are blamers criticizers shutter downers minimizers everybody's doing something mm -hmm. to protest when they feel unloved everybody right but your protest now go diagonally across to the bottom like number three a uh, little little oval in the infinity loop now your partner's on mat because you're not showing up the way they like feel secure and safe, right? Because you're disappointed in them or shutting down or whatever you're minimizing, whatever you're doing to survive. So now they're hurting, feeling unmet. And now they react and protest, which of course causes you to be back in number one. And so that couple then goes one, two, three, four, in an infinity to one, two, three, four, 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 one, two, three, four. Where and so everything is happening all at once. Now I explain it linearly, like one happens first, two happens second, three happens third, four happens. But actually, one, two, three, four are all happening all at the same time. Mm. It's both of us. We're both hurting at the same time. And we're both hurting each other at the same time. But yes, so so that's step one, right? That like it's both of us and we are in an infinity loop. Whenever one of us is hurting, the other person's hurting. And whenever we're both hurting, we're both reacting in ways that hurts each other. Stunned. That's oh, it. That's what's happening. That's 99% of your problems, right? Then we have to make that a living, breathing experience where we actually can feel the vulnerable feelings and share them with each other in order to deep, deepen our understanding of it's an us problem, not to get our feelings met. It's both of us. It's only happening because we're hurting because we mean so much to each other. Right. And, you know, when we started this, I could see all the things you were doing wrong that hurt me. I was taking responsibility and you weren't. And then, of course, the other person is like, you were miss like, you know, or Mr. Like, I'm too good for this relationship. Mm. Right. But now I now both people. Oh, I see what I was doing to make things worse. Just as much as I could see your contribution. Now is a good time to take self response, like take responsibility for your part. See, most people want to take response. They want their partner to take responsibility is step one. It's not a step one move. Step one, you ask your partner to take responsibility. You're going to make things worse. We got to get to it's both of us. It's happening because we're both hurting because we love each other. And we both have ways that we hurt each other. That is a perfect world where now it's a safe place for both people. Oh, my God, I actually see what I do to hurt you. I was so obsessed with what you do to hurt me. But now I see I see how we both hurt each other. Not because we're bad. It's just what we do, what we deploy to survive not being met. Now we can do that couple now can drop. <clears throat> the same thing that they were. We have to get rid of this disconnection. Now we surrender to that disconnection. We accept that disconnection, not as something bad, but as evidence. And I'm going to use technical language. We fucking love the shit out of each other. That's why we fight. We were trying to get rid of this. That's insane. This fight happened because we love each other. Now, that's the you're still talking about communicating better. I'm talking about changing your whole perspective of what's happening. It's nothing to do with communicating better. If you got to that perspective shift, 
You don't have, you you need the communication skills of a two year old. Mm. Come here. No, you come here. I fucking love you. I mean, two year olds in Ireland curse like that. Right. Um, so don't this all this communication skill stuff is, <laughs> is a it. dead end. I love it. I love it. You're, you're breaking through my layers of conditioning. Well, I'm trying, right? <laughs> and and by the way, that's why I like, I honestly, no offense, right? Probably most of the people listening to this are, are self-development people, yeah. which I work with and I'm happy to, but I, I like working with normies. <laughs> normies don't have, like, listen, I'm hurting. I want to get rid of it. Like you have it, like there's a, there's a way. And by the way, it's not me. I mean, it's called emotionally focused couples therapy. I just have a particular personality or whatever that I'm like stuck with and my poor family are stuck with mm. right but you know the, the way i can the way i do it but but this is the most evidence researched way of helping couples right it's not just some random irish fella that moved to hawaii spouting right like you know like this, this is the, the 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 most solid theory in all of psychology attachment theory mixed with systems theory that we just like there is actually you know, yeah, evidence. what happens in one part of a system affects everything. And then it's just using experiential psychotherapy, mm. right, to, to help people have this new experience through actual visceral experiences, uh, transformational experiences inside yourself and between each other. Yes. Beautiful. It lands and it resonates hard. Right. That's why it works. Right. Because it's kind of don't worry about communication skills. Get get let it go. Let it go. I can't. <laughs> Makes me feel so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and by the way, and I don't know if you I, I've talked about this on other podcasts too. Remember, like like one I, I used to live at Esalen. I don't know if you and your listeners are familiar with Esalen. It's like the it used to be called the Harvard of the human potential movement. It's where, you know, existential Western psychotherapy met Eastern thought. The Beatles are there and all the Indian gurus. And I lived there for 18 months and I became unbelievably good at nonviolent communication. Like we yeah. live at 24 seven. It's called the short about this. communication. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, but here's the thing. I Look, I didn't do this on purpose. Right. But I ended up becoming like, like you re referenced this earlier, I just became better at being a dickhead. Mm. I was so good at communicating responsibly that I now had even bigger expectations of how other people needed to show up for me. And I was able to keep myself, my competency kept myself removed and out of intimacy. Mm. Right. So look, I, I, I yeah, I, I look, I, I'm I'm one opinion. I, communication skills are are just not that helpful, right? You can build communication like the order matters. The foundation is this perspective. Like, look, we're just fighting because we love each other. It is what it is. It's just attachment, right? And 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 then two incompetent people can be vulnerable together. Competency is the enemy of intimacy. Mm, yeah, I love that. Don't get really competent at communication because it'll you, you'll mess yourself up, and it's so sad. It's not what you intended. No one does it on purpose, right? Mm. Yeah, I feel at the at the root of obviously the the intentions pure. It's it's like I want to yeah. take our ownership for my, my stuff. I want to learn how to you know not put everything 
that I'm experiencing on everyone else. And it's kind of like, and yeah. that's messed up and all that. So, so once you've got these people from this beautiful, is that anywhere, by the way, is that diagram anywhere? And you've, you've got. Yeah. Yeah. We can send you the infinity loop. And, and by the way, we, yeah, we built uh we have a quiz that we, t we created. It's totally free on the empathy.com, not an advertisement. Like we built it eight or nine years ago. Sure. That you can, any of your listeners can go to empathy.com. You take a quiz, it'll tell you what your, we use very loving language, like your emotional bonding type. And then if both members of a couple, or you take it twice as yourself, and then as like a, you then take the seat of a, a partner, take the quiz again through the invite you send them mm -hmm. or send yourself. Then you will you end up getting this whole that we, we you get the entire map spelt out for you, mm. right? Personalized to your answers, like what are your vulnerable feelings? What's your unmet needs? What's your negative view of self? What's your negative view of another person? What's your reactive emotion and what's your action tendency? So we have those when you when we know what those six things are for both people, we can provide um, any individual or couple with their entire relationship map what they do no it's a map it's an approximation yeah right not like nothing replace i yeah nothing replaces live i you know i wish right there is a way to just give information and it transforms right like nothing replaces live transformational experiential work right it's just but but we can we can we can point to a map that is helpful to know, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's what that quiz is. But yeah, and, and I can I can send you just a PDF of the infinity loop to put sure. in the show notes or could could yeah. you give some maybe really simple practical things for for say there's two people in this relationship, one yeah. gets this completely, also accepts that the other one doesn't and doesn't just just wants to make their life easier and to help their relationship. Yeah. But the other person isn't meeting them in this space or even wanting to look at any of this like what are some yeah. sim simple things that they can they can just improve their own well-being in the relationship not necessarily do you know what i mean not necessarily <laughs> elevate the relationship yeah. but like improve their own yeah coping yeah Okay, it's going to sound self-serving, but you'll go. I, you could your you yourself, right? You could take that free quiz, right? You could listen to our podcast. My wife and I have a podcast. Mm -hmm. We don't record very often, but I think people are really blown away by it. The first fourteen episodes of our podcast, we actually are the clients. We have a mass couples therapist, and yeah. we share our couples therapy sessions as client. My wife and our couples therapists, right, experts at this emotionally focused couples therapy thing, and we share our couples therapy sessions, and then we talk through what we learned, right? So it's been unbelievably valuable for people to like because if you think about everything I just said, it's all yeah. this accepting and surrendering to what is. It's not trying to get rid of it, and then so we try and model that. We're not expert couples mm -hmm. therapists because we don't fight. We're expert couples therapists because we fight like cats mm -hmm. and dogs. And but we repair at the end of it because we love the shit out of each other. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we and we're tra we're both traumatized people. Otherwise, there's no way we could do this work. Right. So we model it. And so the podcast is free. The quiz is free. We have a do it yourself course. 
right? Like it's called a conflict solution course. It costs, and again, it's not advertising. It costs $297. We can create a coupon for your audience, right? Like yeah. pick a coupon code and we'll put it in. Your I'd want code. I'd want them to pay for the full price. I, I, I'm oh, jeez, we don't look. Honestly, it doesn't matter. It's fine. It sounds like again. This is not very... what we created. All these tools to help people. It, it's yeah. not. It's not like a a big uh, revenue generator or something. It's not something where. So anyway, there's a there's an online course you could do yourself. These are like order of um. Look, do the quiz on your own. It'll help you. Listen to the podcast on your own. It'll help you. Get immersed in this perspective, right? Day after day, week after week, take the course on your own or with your partner. It'll help you. Do counseling or coaching, right, with me, someone on my team, or find an emotionally focused couples therapist in your neighborhood, right, mm -hmm. that you could go see. The other thing I always say to people, remember, one of the things uh, mistake people make when they're trying to get a partner to do couples counseling or couples coaching is they go to their partner because it's usually the person that's really into this kind of stuff that's listening to this podcast and they go, mm -hmm. I heard this person. It's really good. I think we probably should see him for the next five years of our life. Right? Like your partner is not into this. It's not going to sign up for like, mm -hmm. right? That That's insane. Right? He's like, let me do a root canal every week for five years. Right? And I'm exaggerating on the five years. <laughs> you should ask for one session. One session. Ask for one session. And at the end of that one session, if you never want to come back, you never have to go back again. Mm. And the therapist, this figs fella, coach, right, says that he, like 100% of the people that have ever done a first session have gotten out alive. No one has ever died in a first session and mm. so so that's a ask for a small order not a big order right and um and then don't let me or someone like me remember like the apartment building story let's say your your partner or spouse is the one that's in the basement trust that this message when they hear in the first session excuse me what i i thought i was being sh brought here to be told what a shithead I am. And now you're saying that actually I'm less of a shithead and my partner's as much of the problem as I am. Mm -hmm. You might be surprised. They'll be the one saying, when can we do session number two? Yeah. Right. So let, let the let the therapist that knows what or coach that knows what they're doing mm. sell it. All you have to do is get them to the to one session where you promise them they won't die. Okay. On on the therapy. Is it, yeah. do, you, do you see much of a benefit in like proactive, you know, rather than reactive? It was a question from yeah, one of my. Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah. So, so the benefit of before it gets to the point where it's constantly reactive. And um, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, look, it's a great question. Here's the thing. Look, there is a huge benefit. There's a huge benefit to being proactive. It would be great if people were proactive. Um, and different people have different pain thresholds, right? Some people are like, their breaking point is, we we just had the eight affair, the ninth bout of crystal meth addiction. I think we need to work on it, right? Other mm -hmm. people are, their, their breaking point is, 
I can't take my partner looking at Jennifer Lopez with those longing eyes any longer, right? Like, you know what I mean? Different people's threshold of when it's too painful mm -hmm. are so different. But, but, um, here, here's the, like, the, being proactive is great, but there is a, there is a potential downside of being proactive, which is the key ingredient we need to help a couple is suffering. If you're not in suffering, you're going to be even better at not doing the work because mm -hmm. you don't have to. You don't have yeah. to. Right. You don't have to do it. Right. Like, you know. So if so suffering is really helpful, like suffering is the oil that makes the connection machine work. Mm. So we need so we need to be able to be in actual suffering or be be willing. You don't have to be immediately willing, but through the process, be willing to at least imaginally journey to the places where I could feel abandoned, rejected. I'm not enough too much. And I get threatened in relationship and intimacy. Right. Like we got to go to the suffering places. Right. So. Yeah, I guess the same question could be around being not being in a relationship, you know, but being proactive about it and learning this work. Oh, yeah. And it's hard. Oh, you definitely should. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, you're going to you're going to benefit. But until you're in a relationship, can you really like tackle the big things? Because I guess they surprise you and you just you have a subconscious. Yeah. Yeah. But but this is where. No, look, absolutely. Right. But again. Here's the thing about, you know, experiential psychotherapy is there's a lot of stuff we can. And by the way, part of what I love about couples counseling is it's not a conceptual thing. The couple are going to you're look if a couple comes to see me, you're going to fight in real time. Mm. Like you maybe the first session, you're going to be very nice. Oh, hello. Thank you. Good to see you. We heard your podcast. <laughs> right. But eventually you're going to you guys are going to like take the gloves off and you're going to do it. You're going to do your thing live, and that, which is brilliant yeah. because we get to work on it for reals, yeah. not like conceptually. Yeah. We get to deescalate real life. Like like what I get to do is a couple of hours. You know, that couple, the first story about the, the couple. I get to work with that couple in real life when that's happening, like right now. Yeah. Like, do, get up off the ground. Do you get Don't a lot be of a mean person? You get a lot of people saying to their partner on the call, you're putting on an act. This is not how you act in real time. And then that causes the kind yeah, of. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that, that comes up. And, and sometimes they don't say it directly, right? And, and look, that's a thing. But yeah. Yeah, but again, the the good news is your partner's so important to you, right? That you're going to get activated in a way that you, all of your strategies won't work. And remember, that's part of my job is like, I, like, look, I, we'd use this gesture. If, if you're listening to this, I'm, I'm, pressing my thumb and I'm twisting it. Mm -hmm. Like, look, what I do is I find wounds and I press on them. Mm. Like you're the chances of you being able to keep your shit together and then no one's ever going to come see me and like and not get into your reactivity because you're hurting like week after week after week is highly unlikely. Right. Because, look, you either come in pain and suffering and it's happening right now or I'm going to have to take you there. And I, and it sounds very arrogant. I'm going to do the very best I can to get you to the, <laughs> the pain. If you're a human being, yeah. you're suffering and you have ways of avoiding suffering. And so I'm going to try and have you be living in that experience in real time so we can start to help you really know yourself, 
get some love in those places that are hurting. See your reactivity. See the impact your reactivity has on others from a very loving place, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to press and press and press on the pain, right? Until you break. <laughs> no one ever will see me. But Do you, um, you feel yourself but, getting more blunt as the years go on because you have surmount the evidence to prove all that <laughs> i feel like do i you just, find you just know you just know. i tell you <laughs> yeah i mean blunt is an interesting word prob maybe but i tell you what i think is funny in my clients sometimes i often say when we get to places they're real people are really hurting and they're really fighting i'm like oh good the client like oftentimes people are kind of like I'm delighted, right? Mm -hmm. When we get, because that's where, if we're going to make a, a significant change, we got to get, we got to roll our sleeves up and get dirty and mucky. And and so mm -hmm. sometimes my enthusiasm for pain and suffering can be a bit yeah. shocking for the clients, right? But, but I guess but, it's, it's trying to get them to feel that too. So when they get curious exactly. about the suffering Absolutely. and they're like, oh, fuck, yeah, this is actually what we need exactly right so yeah and everybody how you help each like that's i you know i you know i was a bartender for years you know stockbroker bartender like but you look you have to in america a bartender is you're expected to talk to people and entertain them and you have to be able to be very different with uh, different people mm -hmm. right and this is saying look what did i love about being a how to access how to how to work out the puzzle of every couple how to access each individual that they feel safe that we could they could feel accepted in their reactivity to the point that they i could then help them access and feel their vulnerability it is everybody's different right and so as i get older I think my compulsion for humor is getting worse. I probably will. That's probably what will make me have to retire. I think that's an old man thing, isn't it? We just keep trying to be funny when it's it's too late. Like, just stop. Right. So that might be what will will put me into retirement. Right. But but for now, I'm still getting away with it. And it seems to work. Well, if it keeps working, then just keep doing it. Um, yeah, exactly. For now. Yeah. Does success... I know the answer, but I'm going to ask this just directly. Does success in couples therapy always re rely um, and result in fixing the relationship, not ending it? No. Yeah. Um, no. And what? And what? Are you? Would you say other like real life examples of where you know it's time to, it's time to say goodbye? And how do you manage that as a therapist? Yeah, well, so, look, of course it happens sometimes very infrequently that one or both parties aren't genuine actors, right? They really are committed to manipulation, whether that's they're cheating or they want to keep drinking or like, like, and both of those would be examples of there's an actual third party in the relationship yeah. and the other person's primary relationship is with the third party. So in an example like that, again, we're just going to be what it is, bring it to the forefront. 
create what's the cycle the fact that my real relationship is with alcohol i'm not giving it up for example or you know i am in an affair not giving up my affair yeah and so try and get people to stand on the threshold of revelation living in the truth of the reality being completely immersed in it 200 at the bottom of the ocean uh, the ocean of this is the reality where we are help them live in that place and then we discover what happens next right mm -hmm. the other the other thing sometimes is like this is the way i often think of it is sometimes people have not completed really important developmental steps right and here here's like yeah so sometimes a couple might be in sync with this they both this they, it's it's actually perfectly poetically beautiful where one person has never ever believed like that they could let someone or something go They've always been clinging and clinging and clinging, and they're not going to ever truly be able to be in a relationship until they say no to something where they can't, the threshold of revelation, they can't imagine they'll be okay on the other side of that. And this relationship is the collateral damage that they have to have that developmental experience. And mm -hmm. the partner sometimes, and again, unfortunately, it may be lopsided. One person has to have that developmental experience and the other person, I'm just ready, right? they're just collateral damage sucks right that this person has to complete this developmental step that they know deeply even if unconsciously i can i can i can let someone go or i can leave someone and i'm okay some people don't have that inside them and they have to complete that like this relationship is really the opportunity to complete now what i never could complete back then I couldn't leave my parents, even though I felt uh, like um, engulfed. Right? I, I, I couldn't tell my parents this is not okay. Right? Like sometimes people have to complete that now, right? Um, and sometimes it's just obvious that that's what needs to happen. And the, like I said, the right, the right outcome, the right organic outcome is the end. Mm. So that's, look, what I primarily do, I know we're talking about how to help people love each other, but look, at the most fundamental level, like, you know, with experiential psychotherapy, what we're really, really doing is trying to immerse people what is and then listen to what organically needs to happen next. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I, we have layered attachment theory and systems theory on top of that. But really, at the at the real core, what I am is I'm just deeply trying to immerse people in what is. And yeah. if we do that well enough, what happens next takes care of itself, mm -hmm. right? Mo most people are desperately fighting to stay away from what actually is, because what is is too painful and it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, you know, help people tolerate <laughs> even, you know, and hold them in what is, even though they want to turn away. Yeah. Then we work out what happens next. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks for, for going that. I would like to finish on a big one, but I'd love to get your insights on trauma bonds and maybe dispelling some myths or just speaking yeah. to, because it seems to be a roadblock. And I guess then it gets into the psychology of, oh, we're stuck. We can't move forward. And then it's. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, oh, by the way, this is the funny thing. The way there you a see all couples work is trauma. Well, yes, there's a spectrum, right? But look, all couples work is trauma work. Right. And I say as a therapist, oh, every every couple I see, I'm doing trauma work. It's all trauma work. 
the past pain is always merging with the present. If you're upset and disappointed or you're shutting down, you're you're in trauma, right? So so let let's let's be clear. Every couple yeah. that's together is trauma bonded. Like that's why we're together. We're together because there's a pain in the past that I have a chance with you to get it resolved right now. You may not realize mm. every fight is an attempt of your organ, both of your organisms. To I with you, I could resolve now what wasn't resolved before. The reason you're together is your organism realize. Like if you're together long term, you didn't actually pick each other because of your blue eyes and your beautiful long legs right you actually pick your organism that that would have fizzled out in a couple of months right <laughs> why you're together is your organisms did realize oh shit my trauma has a chance I, it's going to get activated mm. it's not actually it, it's it's I, with this one it will get activated and i will have a chance to actually get now what i have needed all along but there has to we have to get into the mess and come out the other side with the love we needed back then right now and and it's messy because that's what's happened for both people so look mm. everybody's trauma bonded everyone's trauma bonded right so now is there a is there a spectrum right we can have let's say there's three different windows one is we're both like so you want to be able to be inside your window of tolerance Right, that we're both getting a traumatically activated. Of course you are, mm -hmm. but we're able to actually work together to resolve it. Right? Like we want to be able to get inside our window of tolerance. Now, if you first are with someone and you're not inside your window of tolerance, it doesn't mean it's terrible. It's just like if your blood pressure is too high. It doesn't mean it's going to stay high forever. Like there are things you can do to get it back inside your window of like health, right? So you you and your partner meet each other again. You're you're raving away, and then you tra traumatize the shit out of each other. Well, time to do the work. That's why you're together, and we have an opportunity now. If it turns out after doing the work, hey, listen, we both are just like this is just way outside both our window of tolerance, and we have to tragically say goodbye to each other, right? It's really sad, mm -hmm. right? But um, and then of course there are other people that they're not they're on the on the um, the other side. It's still traumatic activation. They're not um hyperactivated or hypoactivated. Both people are asleep together watching Netflix, right? You know they're like you know, but that that's its own type of traumatic activation too, right? And, and then of course, most mm. of the time, one person is hyper and the other person's hypo. One person is like, can I just, everything's okay. Can I was at Netflix? And the other person is, it's not okay. It's not okay, right? And so, but yeah, so yeah, it, all long-term relationships are, are trauma bonded. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> accept it, surrender to it. And no, it's only happening because you both have these beautiful little vulnerable parts inside of you that got hurt long ago, and they're just trying to resolve it right now. But you're both the way you both try and resolve it right now, you keep hurting and scaring each other. You poor little devils. If I was there with you right now, I'd put my arm around both of you and I'd hug both of you. And I'd tell everybody else, keep walking, folks. There's nothing to see here. I just have two people that love each other, that scared each other. They're going to be okay in a minute. Now, again, imagine if a couple lived inside that world that I just painted. 
we just get scared. We love each other so much. Yeah, it's an right? example. That, that's, that's the it, it's like the, the 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 child within them. It's like you're hugging and embracing that child within each of them. Yeah, and and telling the protector parts, I really get why you're here. It's okay. No wonder you'd be burning their passport. And you, I get why you tried <laughs> down to the sword. ten different countries. Put down the sword. Exactly. Exactly. But I get why you pick it up. I'm not going to blame you or shame you or put you down. You're just really scared. Both of you are just really scared. And then look how scary you become when you're scared. Scared people mm. scare people. Scared people scare people. Yeah. yeah. It's really it's really sad, right? Um and and so that's the that's how we can I always do this gesture, right? We can take their limbic system. We can take two traumatized people that are scaring the shit out of each other. Yeah. And soothe their little nervous systems and limbic system. It's okay. It's okay, guys. It's going to mm -hmm. be okay. You just love each other. So that's the work, right? And they deserve, that's what they need. That's what they need. They don't need to learn how to behave better, police themselves and each other. That's the shit that most people are, are dishing out. And by the way, and most people want, they want to be told how to be a better person. They want their partner to be told how to be a better person. And um, it sells. People want to be beaten and treated poorly. And they want their partners to be treated poorly. But it doesn't help. <laughs> we got to love, we got to love ourselves and love each other mm. um, uh, to resolve trauma. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I like, you know, Gabor Mate, right? He's just like, listen, the, the cure for substance abuse is you, gotta, you just have to love, you gotta love people. Yeah. Right? It's, it's quite simple. It's all trauma. Yeah. So. Thank you, man. Appreciate your passion, you. your dedication to do this early in the morning. You've certainly woken up. I hope this helped. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I'm a good Irishman. I had my I had my Barry's tea. You know, I had a cup of tea already. So yeah. Beautiful man. Yeah. And would you like to leave Thank you. anyone with anything in particular? Where to point people to? See the quiz. Um definitely taking that one. Um well yeah, just just empathy.com. And then I think the quiz is empathy.com forward slash quiz. Mm -hmm. With an I. And then like the Oh yeah, empathy with an I in the end, not a Y in the end. Yep. Yeah. Um and then that's it. The podcast is come here to me podcast.com. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I'm very lucky. I love what I do and I love talking to people about it. Mm. So thank you for listening to me. My, my wife and kids are done listening to me. So this was very nice for me. <laughs> Someone would listen to me for a minute. Thank you. Come here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Come here to me. Thanks for listening, people. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel. This is the best zero cost way to support. If this podcast is providing you value, please get further involved by donating as little as £3 a month over at my Patreon. If you do this, you will get free bonus content invited into a private WhatsApp group and jump on monthly calls to dive in to topics covered in recent episodes. Of course, only if you want to. In addition, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening and leave a five-star review. This helps the podcast tremendously or send it to a friend or someone you know will benefit from this episode. 
If you have any of the questions, comments, or people you'd love me to get on an interview, or even topics you want me to cover, please say so in the comment section over at the YouTube channel, link in the description. Please check out the sponsors I mentioned at the beginning, two brands who I wholeheartedly support, World Soul Sandals and XL Coffee. For discount codes, links are in the description. There is also a link in the description where you can subscribe to my monthly newsletter where I share musings and info about events and discounts. If you want to share any episodes, please, please do so over at Instagram. Tag me in the.chris.geisler. Thank you. That is all. Thank you for your interest in conversations to help us all remember ways that once served us and redirect us back into connection with ourselves and the places we go.